Hi, I'm Keegan Sands, and welcome back to Ship It, the podcast from Dept Agency that's made by engineers for engineers. In this episode, we dive into content management systems, or CMSs, with two experts from Dept, Daniel Patterson and John Askew, both of whom have been working with large-scale CMSs for over 10 years. We answer the questions, why do they exist? What are their features? And why as a developer would I want to use one when I can make custom software that might do the job better? We also explore how to choose a CMS, when to opt for a headless CMS, as well as anti-patterns for implementing CMSs. So without further ado, let's get started. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Ship It. I'm Matt Merrill. I'm a director of engineering here at Depth Digital Products in the U.S. Um, And I am joined by Danny Patterson and John Askew today. And I uh, we're going to talk about CMSs, our content management systems. So uh, before we get into that, uh, let me let me let the, our guests introduce themselves. Um, Danny, you want to go first? Sure. Um, so my name is Danny Patterson. I am a principal architect at Depth, and I head up the CMS practice here in the US. And John. Yeah, I'm also a principal architect. I head up the .NET practice. Um, and then me and Danny have had the pleasure of working together for almost a decade now doing oh, wow. CMS. Yeah. Awesome. Well, welcome and excited to have you both on. Um, so a little bit of context as to why I thought that this would be a good topic to make uh, make a podcast episode about. I think we have a fair amount of people in our audience, which are mostly software engineers, I think, that probably build custom software like myself, um, have been doing that for a while. And um kind of tend to think that building custom software is the way way to do things and it's quite frankly it's not it's not always and um I'll be honest and say like I a CMS is not something that would that is front of mind for me to reach for as somebody who develops custom software so I thought we could kind of take an angle at at this to kind of kind of look at content management systems from two points of view one is like a Kind of like a, a why do they exist? And also as uh, somebody who builds custom software as a developer, why I might want to reach for one over creating custom software. So that's kind of the thinking behind this one. And uh, since you guys have been working with CMSs for so long, I thought you'd be perfect for it. Um, so I guess like the first question is, you know, in you guys' opinion, what is a CMS and and why did they come about? Well, you know, like brief history of CMSs, I guess. So a rough summary that isn't going to do it justice, but ultimately a CMS is a centralized management system for authoring, managing content assets, um, security of that content and assets, um, workflows to to manage all of that, and ultimately a system or mechanism to publish it. Again, they're a lot more complicated than that, but as a summary, that's basically what they are. Um, and in terms of how they came about, I would say necessity. I suppose um, a a mentor of mine once told me earlier in my career that if you take the most mundane and terrible task you have in a business and give it to an engineer, they will find a way to automate it and make it efficient. Right? That was that was advice that I, I still Great abide advice. today, and I think I, I feel like a CMS probably was born out of that. So I I don't exactly know when, but I'm assuming um, around like the 90s when IBM came out with. I think it was FileNet or something along those lines, right? Another folks came out. They would have they would have been trying to address that necessity. So they're about operational efficiencies and how to you know get content out to the market quicker and all that good stuff. That's that's yeah. kind of where I 
I see them, how I'd summarize them. So I think back to, you know, like I got, I got my, you know, back in the nineties, I got my start by just creating simple HTML pages. Right. And like, I remember like for my high school, I would put like some sports scores or something on their website and you had to do it with manual HTML and, you know, a CMS is basically a way to automate that so that a quote unquote regular person who doesn't know HTML and God bless them. If they don't know HTML, good for them. Um, that they can, they can do that stuff with a whole lot more on top of it. Right. All right, cool. So, I mean, CMS has started fairly simple, got a lot laid on top of them. So I guess uh, one thing that I don't really know is what types of different CMSs there are and like the feature sets that they have. So, you know, I have heard of headless CMSs. I'm sure we'll dive into that in a little bit, but I'm curious if you could talk about kind of the classes of CMSs and, you know, what, what different categories there are and what different use cases they might, they might try to tackle. Yeah, I think that's easiest answered by sort of splitting the CMS into what it does. Um, all CMSs really do up to three things. They handle management, delivery, and presentation, uh, where management is just sort of the, the creation and versioning and organization of content privately. Uh, delivery is moving that from private to public, but usually via the act of publishing. And then presentation is obviously presenting that on a variety of channels, uh, but typically, you know, we're usually talking web channels uh, in what we do. Um, so the types of CMS are really blends of those three uh, three aspects. So a headless CMS, it doesn't care at all about presentation. Uh, when it delivers content and moves it from private to public, it's really exposing that via APIs and it's up to you how you present it. Uh, traditional CMS uh, is the original type of CMS where it owned the whole thing. Um, that was good and bad, really. It was very opinionated. It chose the tech stack for you, so you didn't have much options of, uh, to deviate there. And it, you know, you, that could be a good or bad thing because you probably had less to implement, uh, but it was already implemented in a very specific way. And all hybrid is, which is the third type of CMS, is where you can choose to use the head that's provided or not and roll your own. And, and typically they mm. start off as traditional. Um, and added APIs later on to, you know, keep keep up with the market really. Right, and the and the headless ones, or excuse me, the non-headless ones, the more traditional ones. Obviously, you're limited on what you can customize there. But obviously, if you want to customize anything, there there's a big cost that well, a potentially big cost that can come with that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and so. You know, kind of getting into what I was I was mentioning before. You know, I'm a I'm a full stack developer and why would I use a CMS when I could fully customize things, right? Like, uh, you know, if I'm a business person, I know that that's expensive, but as a developer, I kind of say, I, some of these things can kind of get in my way. So if you're selling me as a developer on, on using a CMS, how, how might you go about that? Yeah. So that's a good one. And I think that where you might be focused on products and product development, right? That's that kind of point of view is very valid. Um, and a CMS, may have a place for that kind of arena, but not always, um, or at least not as as prominent as it would if you were building um, web channels or or where content is a you know is the core part of, of whatever this this channel might be. Um, but ultimately, you know, um, CMS is is not all about tech, right? So you would introduce a CMS um, for for reasons of the business users, right? Allowing non-technical people to, to distribute that, that content, to come up with ideas, to, to build out their channels 
independently of what a uh, you know a full stack developer or a React developer or a backend engineer um, would do on a day to day. So really, engineers would come in and focus on providing, I suppose, what to, to coin a phrase, you know, a, a no code approach for the business and the CMS. So giving the business that ability to be completely independent of developer life cycles, release cycles, right? The idea is if you don't want to be a developer and be stuck um, adding content and adding translated content to to views or React components or whatever it is and having to, to do that as your day-to-day, right? You want to get on with Valiwad work. Um, yeah. So this this is why you would you would implement a CMS where content as a strategy is is going to be super important to you. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if John, you got you would add to that. Um, not no. I think you put it really well there. The only thing I would probably say in addition to that is um, it adds sort of governance as well potentially um, to you know to protect the integrity the experience from not just content editors but developers as well. Um, if you build things in a a modular way and use CMS concepts as much as the technology. Uh, you can build apps in a certain way that uh, they're very flexible, but they have a lot of governance built into what you can and can't change. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great one. The operational governance is very good, especially in a lot of CMSs that come with workflow builders and definitions in them. You, you get a lot out of that, especially if your business is distributed across multiple regions and hundreds and thousands of people that might be involved in putting articles or content together. Um, having those multi-stage processes, the CMS can completely facilitate on its own. Um, you, you gain a lot of, uh, from from a system like that as a business versus purely focusing on um, engineers doing their 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 general um, tasks and development. You know, Danny, and well, actually, both of you just to kind of go on that and by by governance and stuff like that, you're talking about con- like content governance. So you know, there's a a copywriter that writes something that's going to go out onto a marketing site or something like that. And this would be stuff like the work, the workflow and approval processes that it goes through in order to make its way out to users. Is that right? I'd say it goes beyond that because there's governance around the actual structure and layout of the experience as well, mm. you know, by breaking things down into reusable modular components and I regions, you can, you can introduce visual flexibility, uh, but in a governed way that, you know, prevents editors from having to really understand what can go where, um, but providing them the mechanism to change those things themselves. Yeah. And it also goes into the security aspect as well, Matt, right? So you can secure certain aspects of your site or your channel um, based on user permissions, very fine grained security if you have to. So there's there's governance there as well. Um, and a lot of CMSs will provide integration points and flexible extensibility areas that you can plug into to make that even more efficient and tailor it to, to what you need to do. So they, they bring a hell of a lot to the table um, over just trying to you know build something like that in a, in a standard day-to-day process. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Also quite an enabler as well. So if you can imagine, you know, once, once you've put things into a CMS and you're using CMS concepts, you can start to focus on customizing that experience and personalizing it for the end user trying to do that without something structured is an absolute nightmare to implement to maintain to evolve um so it provides the the basis on on which you can do more advanced things like that and ultimately if there wasn't a cms the developers would end up sort of re-implementing the same thing again and again which nobody likes to do yeah. Um, so that's that's another huge benefit. As, as soon as a, a brand wants a new site that's largely the same and just differs in content, 
that's uh, an administrative task rather than a development task. Yeah. And right. I, I think just one final thing to add would be that the, the CMSs will often provide a uh, an excellent strategy for translation and localization as well. So we, we've all been in that scenario where you're you're physically having to plumb HTML files or you know raw MVC views or whatever it might be, right? Because the the process is so archaic and you're throwing them around to a translation provider. They're you know mm. doing what they have to do, spitting them back out. You then have to deploy them. A lot of the CMSs will, will provide mechanisms to translate that content natively and distribute yeah. it that way for you, um, which again is massive value add. Yeah, I mean, as you guys were talking, right? I'm I'm sitting here thinking about you know, uh, actually, let me step back from that, Danny. You said like I'm kind of looking at this from a product standpoint, as in like I need to develop an application that has certain behaviors and logic and processes that's custom to a business. As opposed to this, which is very much about, about content. And I'm just thinking like if, if a business person came to me and said they needed a system with workflow approvals and reusable components and the ability to, you know, put whatever content they wanted with an admin screen and things like that, that's an enormous ask to customize. Right. And, uh, you know, that this makes a lot more sense as to why I'd, I would reach for a CMS, for a CMS instead. Um, also I couldn't help but think of like, I've definitely been on projects before. I'm th- I think a lot of a lot of developers have where some some request comes in from the businesses that that's simply can we change the copy on such and such? And you know, if that's the only change you're making and even if you have one of the best continuous integration and deployment processes in the world, that's still quite a bit of overhead to go through for a copy change. I mean, the, the type of CI CD processes that we put in place for custom software it's kind of like using a, you know, it's kind of like using a tank when all you need is a BB gun or something like that. So well, that's right, and that release cycle wouldn't be independent of any other code changes, too, right? So you're right. you're constrained by your entire release process as opposed to just being able to change content when you want to. It's right. you know, like I say it's a big deal. Right. All right. So how about moving on to you know customization, right? So I know that we we do a lot of work customizing CMSs, and there are developers that specialize in working in CMSs. And so I'm curious about what type of skill when if I'm a if I'm a CTO and I'm going to use a, a CMS, what type of skills do you, do my staff need to be able to develop with a CMS and customize it and, and keep it operational? Well, that is that is a tricky one, um, and. I'm going to have to go on the fence a little bit and say it depends on the platform you choose, mm-hmm. right? Um, there are CMSs that are Java-based, that are .NET-based, that you know, they're pure SaaS platforms, so you don't have to care. And you can, you know, we've talked about headless a little bit. You can do what you want um, in terms of front-end and presentation technologies. It, it all comes down to what you're choosing, what your business needs are. And yeah, I mean, you have to kind of be led by that in terms of what you need. But you can't, I think one of the core things to remember about the skill set of the CMS is not to detach yourself from, um, and John touched on this a little bit before, which is the core principles of CMS, right? It's not about I'm taking some data and I'm rendering it in a, in a cool React component or a site, and it's not all about the presentation. It's about the enablement of how you implement them, how you componentize them, how you structure um, the the business model, the content design and content types within inside it. 
um, those those are the areas of, of, of a CMS that, again, specialize to the platform you're using. So that skill set needs to be tailored in some degree to that. Um, but those are the bits that are just as, if not more important um, than whether you're .NET or React or Java or whatever, right? Because mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of following suit, if you like. You're just using that to implement a channel. It's not so much the, the CMS itself. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. But also, I think what I'm hearing in there, so I heard two things. One is kind of, yes, you do need to consider what the uh, quote-unquote back end of your CMS is and being able to do any sort of co- like customizations you want on there. But probably more importantly is you have to think about it differently. You have to think about it in terms of uh, almost like a business owner, content owner, information architecture, processes, governance. That's actually probably more important. But but I think the other thing in there is I'm hearing you do want to dive in and figure out what that CMS is built on because you may need to dive into that tech and you don't if you already have an engineering team, um, you may or may not want to stray you know very far from what your your skill set that you already have is otherwise you're going to have to end up hiring you know much different people. Am I correct in that or? You can you can be certainly the case. I think the other thing is. Typically, when you're thinking about a CMS solution uh, for a client, for example, um, you sort of work backwards from the experience. So you start off solving problems in a technology agnostic manner. You you care more about how do I build the experience in a way that, you know, there's certain chunks that are componentized and reusable that this, you know, we've identified all the the pieces that need to be interchangeable and, and, and catered for all the sort of requirements there. And then that can sometimes influence whether the CMS you've chosen is even the right fit. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's not uncommon for a big CMS project to lead the CMS selection to quite late in that process because, you know, they're not all equal. Uh, the CMS types that we mentioned are very different from each other and can be a limiting factor. Um, so some of the development skills you need aren't so much technology skills as they are sort of visualization skills. Uh, if you're good at sort of object-oriented concepts or composition concepts, they can be just as important as, you know, experience coding. Mm-hmm. We talked about headless CMSs a little bit. I know for a fact that a lot of our our projects at Depth are using them. They're, we're using CMSs all over the place, but lately we've been doing a lot of headless CMS work. So I guess my question would be, when would you want to use one of those versus a full-blown CMS? Probably... Uh, a question more for the the stakeholder than anybody really because it's more about you, where your future direction is um if you if you went for a traditional cms for example you you pretty much tied into that that solution more than likely you're going to make a huge upfront capital investment in building on that cms and it's going to be something that would be very expensive to change to a different product later on that might come with benefits like integrated personalization or test a b testing or multivariate testing capabilities and those sorts of features that the suites offer um but if you went down a headless route you can have much more abstraction from the technology and that gives you much more control later on it might come at a short-term cost in terms of the implementation Mm -hmm. um but it really gives you the freedom later on to switch providers or you know, integrate additional technologies. The CMS isn't the only thing delivering content. You might have uh, a product inventory management system delivering commerce data or a marketing suite delivering forms. So when you've got lots of contributing systems 
coupling yourself to one CMS or treating the CMS as the centre of your universe is probably not the right decision. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with everything John's just said. And um, ultimately, you know, and I think he's kind of leaned on that a little bit, is don't make your CMS selections based on a purely technical need or want to to go with what's the latest and greatest, right, as a presentational technology or whatever it might be, right? Um, it, it's got to be as much about the, the cost of ownership and is headless the right way to go, right? And if you're heading down omni-channel routes for your roadmap or, you know, a composition doesn't always represent the idea of a page, that's not necessarily where you're going, then you know, headless is, is going to be a great solution for you as would a, a hybrid, particularly a, a more modern one. Um, but you might be a business that also just wants to put a website up and you don't need all the operational efficiencies out of it, like the workflows too much, right? Your small team can manage very little content updates and a traditional page-based CMS might be the, the best fit for you. Um, so it's really all down to the business and and making it a business core focus and making that stakeholder group that, that John mentioned earlier um, as strong as it can in terms of all the variants of input, um, that will give you the best idea of uh, any kind of selection, whether it's headless or not. Mm, interesting. Is there any uh, going along those lines? I mean, I know this question was specific to headless originally, but are there other key things that, that you look at when you're helping a client choose a CMS? I think for me i mean john's probably got some really good insights into this actually because we've both done the whole cms selection process quite a bit um but for me it's it's try to identify as early as you can whether you need this monolith suite right or you need a best of breed solution and looking for things that can um that are going to be able to spread their wings a little bit, be very flexible and, and and scalable, but look for something that's modern. So I know people kind of shy away from what's new um, in terms of modern technologies, especially where Gartner is involved, right? You can, a lot of people will focus on that as these are the best ones and the only ones that exist, but more modern built CMSs that have taken a, a REST or an API-based approach and then built their GUIs and tools on top of that, they'll be headless natively anyway, but they might provide a lot of other benefits that you wouldn't have thought of. So for me, it's that modern approach to their architecture, the separation of concerns from management and authoring the content to publishing it and that delivery side of things that, that John mentioned before having the the abstract layers there to scale horizontally and vertically modern approaches to their architecture and content modeling and i think for me fair um licensing and, and good use cases on, on the licensing and hosting of it is is always mm -hmm. a good you know so making sure there's a good combination of what SaaS, whether it can be on premise um how that works how the user licensing works and all that kind of stuff those those are the kind of key things that as well as marrying up attributes to the business themselves um those are the kind mm -hmm. of things i i try to look for so i think what i'm hearing what i'm hearing you say is you know the 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 newer the newer offerings are kind of built with more modern technology practices from the ground up so you know, headless is barely even a thing because some of these products are already built on REST APIs and you could use them headlessly, but they also they also have the full-blown features. And also they're probably cloud native as well. So they can be easily deployed wherever you need them. Am I am I hearing that right? Yeah, I think I think that's fair. All right. So let's let's um I always like to hear about, you know, one of my one of my interview questions for people is kind of like, what's what's your favorite project you you've worked on? Right. And so, but let me tailor this one to 
What's your favorite project or your most interesting project you've done with a CMS? Unfortunately, we probably probably can't use client names, but if we could kind of talk around that, um, and you know, uh, John, maybe maybe you want to go first. Yeah, I suppose I, I look at the most interesting ones as, as the ones that are less typical. Um, one of the more recent ones was having to build a CMS to serve a multi-tenant solution. Um, so we've often done multi-site, multi-language, but multi-tenant was sort of a new challenge uh, that introduced complexities. We had to sort of deviate from your typical routing so that we had a, a way of identifying tenants in the URLs. Um, all the tenants needed a very different look and feel, but that needed to be under that sort of same governance, that same content model uh, and, and availability of different modular templates. So we had to be very creative about where we found the boundaries between features um, in a way that allowed them to fit together and have a cohesive experience. We had to theme at the, the into the website, at least at the page level, as well as the region level, and then into components as well. So there was a lot of technical and engineering challenges in delivering that. Uh, but obviously, that's what makes it, makes it really interesting, trying to bring that complexity in, in a way that doesn't ruin the editor experience. Because ultimately, if you make it too complicated to use, you failed at your job. Um, so that, yeah. that was a good thing. So that's you, that's actually a really interesting point, and this is something I'm learning. Is so I I heard of what I heard what you said is almost a version of white labeling, right? So um, you know you may need to to put different flavors on the different sections of of your content, and so this is something that's not typically part of a CMS being able to do this type of multi tenant or white labeling. So that this is something that you had to customize. Is that right? Um, they certainly provide you the means to, you know, separate things at the the website and page, and then sometimes component level. Mm -hmm. uh, but they, they, because a lot of CMSs, especially the older ones, are page centric. Mm -hmm. If you wanted one page on one website or tenant to to be structurally very different from another, uh, then you'd do them as separate pages. But what That's we were trying to do with this solution is have, uh, you know, the same page in essence but have multi-tenant variations that allow you to completely change the structure as well as the content on those, mm. but still represent the same resource, for example. Uh, very cool. Nice. And how about you, Danny? Uh, me and him were on the same team for that one. So yeah, that, that was an incredibly good one. In addition to the, the intricacies of the implementation John talked about with, with uh, his example, mm -hmm. one of the things that we were able to do and did do was we facilitated our own content delivery repository out of that implementation. So a lot of CMSs give you extension points and um, event systems that you can tie into and integrate um, content into other channels that you may need to to you know integrate with or use. And we had a need for you know, some serious complex querying and throughput and so on and so forth. And that that particular use case, we were able to actually build our own. Um, publishing extension where you could install this add-on and the CMS allowed us to not only plug into its pipeline for publishing and essentially write to its own data store, but it actually allowed us to take that content and store it in our own content repository um, and database, if you like, a document DB that we were using at the time and use that to facilitate all of our um, query needs and content delivery needs for our applications. So we were able to abstract ourselves away from the platform from a delivery perspective, even further than usual, 
um, mm. which proved to be extremely advantageous. So that was that was another cool one about that use case that um, that we actually got to do. Nice. So you're kind of like offloading that data into another another database for use elsewhere to make it easier. Is that right? It was for the primary use actually, but yes, you oh, could have wow. used it for any any channel. Yeah, we completely yeah. overrode or took over the content delivery stack, if you like, um, with our own mm. data contracts to to facilitate that build. It was it was super cool. I've seen two others that were extremely impressive in terms of the build, um, or at least the approach. One of them was for a sports brand, which was a a campaign kind of framework that they had had um, they had to design and build out. And just some of the things that they could do with the, how it was componentized, how it could be themed, how some of the designs that were being thought of and come up with, um, you you just couldn't imagine looking at some of these campaign sites and thinking that was that was a componentized you know um, page published CMS that was doing that. Um, it was it was absolutely incredible to see that, and the longevity that actually came out of that implementation was super impressive. It's still there today, um, and this was this was done. Um, I would say almost eight years ago, nine oh, years wow. ago, if not more, right? And that, that system is still there today doing that job. And the, the guy that designed it, um, super talented. Uh, so yeah, it was it, that's that's one of mine. Um, and I think another one more local to me personally was just a, a huge travel company. And it was interesting, not due to the the complexity of the solutions. They had all the general integrations and stuff you know like, like john's talked about the composition needs and stuff it wasn't as complicated but it had all that general stuff but it was the scale by which the the, the company needed the cms to operate at the the tens of thousands of requests they would receive um per minute that we had to handle at scale and just seeing how well architected the platforms were to be able to cater for that um was was really impressive so that was one of the ones in in my wheelhouse that was it was really cool to work on Awesome. Um, all right. So this, that was, that was really cool. So I think the last thing that I wanted to talk about is, you know, if you're, if you're implementing a CMS, what are some of the pitfalls? Like what are some of the things to look out for and, and to avoid? Hard coding, hard coding, anything, anywhere is a big no, no. Do you have an example? You have a particular horror story you want to share with us? Sounds like you have a deep yeah. scar. Just lots of little scars, really. Uh, death by <laughs> paper cuts. Um, but yeah, typically, like if you put someone who's never worked CMS before on a project, they'll get the obvious stuff modeled in content, like your titles and your your paragraphs and things. But then you'll do forms, and all your form labels will be hard coded mm -hmm. or things like that. Mm -hmm. um, it's amazing once you've once you've gone through a few implementations or worked across a few CMSs. Uh, it becomes second nature, uh, just never hard coding anything, but that's quite a hard habit to break out of if you've been used to building apps that don't need to worry about multilingual needs or yeah. uh, content management concepts. So that's, uh, I think, the biggest uh, yeah. biggest thing, even yeah. though it's quite a, a small deal, really. Right, because uh, like as a you know, if if you put me in in a CMS and ask me to do it, like I could totally say like, oh, I'm gonna hard code this heading, and because that's not gonna change, but the content within it is gonna change. But but that's not true. So yeah, that's cool. That's a really really good one, Danny. How about you? Yeah, so I've got I've got two things that I would say avoid at all costs if you can. Um, one of those one of those things is don't go into the CMS implementation without building a really solid business stakeholder group with the customer, right? Or whoever it is you're you're doing this with. Um, make sure that you've got marketing folks, 
exec sponsors, make sure you've got um, business owners and um, content editors and technical folks all in the mix to define how the CMS vision should take your business forward, right? Don't don't skip that phase ever. Um, one of the worst things I've had happen to me in the past is you get to later stages in the build and the design and everyone's super happy. The progress is looking great. You get to UAT and one of the biggest stakeholders that could possibly come in, like the CEOs or CFOs come in and they say, I don't like it. This is not what I envisioned. And it is just one of the worst things you could go through with, with one of these builds. Right. So Mm -hmm. make sure that everyone is investing their time um, in this upfront and everyone who you've defined to be in those stakeholder groups is participating. So make sure one, your stakeholder group is really strong and don't skip that ever. Um, if you're, you're starting this from scratch. Um, and my second one would be, and it's not that it's not important, right. But don't make a CMS implementation all about the technical side. Cause it's, it's absolutely not. If you've done your job right and you've done it well, the tech team will focus on the value add and building really cool stuff on top of that that CMS implementation, right? They'll be doing all the value add stuff, the stuff that they enjoy, and the business will be completely on their own to expand and build out their channels and their content and the strategies and their experiences, all without any developer support whatsoever. If you've done it that way, you're great. But if you come into a CMS build and you've even gone to a selection and you've said, I'm going to choose headless because I want to build this in React or whatever. I keep saying React. I don't mean to pick on that, but it's just one of the, the common names you hear. Um, if you've done that, you've set yourself up for failure straight away. So make it about the business. Make sure there's a clear vision and a great stakeholder group um, and team driving that forward to, to validate what you're doing at all costs. You do that, you'll have an excellent time and an excellent output. Nice. That's good advice. And I would go so far as to say the, ex- the stakeholder group comment just really applies to building any software um yeah i mean it's we've even outside of cms as we've seen that happen many times and that that's really disappointing to see and it's so easily avoided too so nice great well anything else either of you guys wants to add before we uh before we break i think the, the only thing i'd add um, especially based on the examples and things. I think a lot of people, especially developers, look at CMS if they haven't done it before and they think it's boring. It's just doing a couple of templates and, and putting some variables in. Uh, and really, it's a really interesting topic as a developer, as an engineer. Um, so I think anyone who's written it off without sort of getting into it should definitely give it another chance and get get themselves involved because um, I think they'll be surprised. That's awesome. Nice. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move. Let's let's do our let's do our picks here. And so, uh, if you've listened to the podcast before, we usually end the episode with a pick for me from each guest and the host. Uh, and it could be anything that you're kind of passionate about these days: TV, tech, whatever it is. And uh, I'll lead it off just so you guys kind of kind of know what the uh, what the flavor is. But um, my pick uh, is a is a weird one that that I thought of. It's actually something I haven't watched in a long time, but it's uh, a particular episode of the show Black Mirror called San Junipero, and it's it's one of these episodes of TV that it just like stuck with me for. I, I don't think I'll ever forget it. It was like one of the best TV shows I've ever seen, where uh, basically um, it's in the future and uh, 
your memory is is recorded in a computer and you can replay it and go back in time and revisit memories and uh if you get a chance to watch that episode it's just it's just fantastic it's sad it's funny it's it's just a really really great piece of tv so that's my pick totally random and it's old too so what do you think of that um i'll pick on john next what's your pick um i think just based on what i've been doing lately it'd probably be season two of house of the dragon i've just been watching that and now i've got a long way ahead (laughs) (laughs) sweet yeah as long as you don't do what they did to game of thrones the original series uh because we're in that at the end but yeah at least this is already uh following the books a bit more closely daddy how about you so mine i'm gonna be honest with you i'm gonna admit this but um mine is a little bit sad for a 40 year old dude that does what he does but um mine's actually lego and it's not just a passion at the moment it's an obsession i would go as far as to say um yeah just anything creative that i can get my hands into and, and build and make whether it's coding or whatever but recently um just i've gone nuts on lego oh, wow. um and i've got a 14 foot by eight foot wall in my dining room that is now completely full of oh my gosh just some amazing things that i and me and my, my son do it yeah um well, that's cool I, i'm not saying that's the excuse it's more for me i'm going to be totally honest with you but um but yeah we we, we do it and uh we've, we've just bought the the titanic um oh wow yeah that's a, a monster i've no idea where i'm going to put it but it, yeah we, we've just bought that one as a as a, the next project we've got but yeah that's that's one of my the, my things that's super fun just love to switch off and sit there and put some bricks together it is incredibly um, meditative. I love doing Legos with my kids too, though I'm not even close to being that uh, in- involved. Though I have a feeling maybe we'll get there someday. So, all right, cool. There's nothing sad about Lego. Lego. No, absolutely not. I- I'd like to think, Danny, you're training your um, your son to be an engineer. I mean, it's basically it's all about modularity with Legos, right? Well, guys, thank you so much. I I found this. Um, incredibly informative i hope i hope some folks in the audience do too and i really i really thank you for spending some time to talk about it today so awesome likewise all right thank you